you're listening to Not So Live from Asteroid G. Totally not the guy who's killing teens in... I'm not even sure what... What is the name of the town in Scream? Do you remember? Uh, Woodsboro. Woodsboro, thank you. I want to say Haddonfield, and that's Halloween. That's completely wrong one, but it was in my head, so, you know, I wasn't right. yet letting it go at that point. <laughs> I'm your host, yeah. Mike Finkelstein. With me in the booth, as always, is... Your other friend, Mike. We're doing this again because twice is nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. full disclosure, we recorded this once and then OBS <laughs> ate the audio from half of the uh, whole transfer. So you would have heard my lovely voice and no one else's. And, well, you know, I, I, I would appreciate that. Uh, it doesn't make for a great podcast. So uh, Mike was having a really good conversation with Mike, literally himself. <laughs> <laughs> Just, there are two mics in the booth and both of them this time were me. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. So this week, we are going to be discussing the Scream Killers. You had the idea during the last Scream podcast that we wanted to discuss what the killers were and how good they were. Because specifically, while some of the movies are good, some of the killers are bad and vice versa. Uh, A key Mm -hmm. one that we will touch upon being the fact that I dislike Scream 4. But you make a compelling argument about how at least one of the killers in that movie is actually pretty decent. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. And we'll get there. it just we'll get there. that's the great thing about this franchise. You know, you, not only can you critique the movie itself and its quality and whatnot, mm-hmm. you can critique the killer inside the movie, which you can't really say for every um, no. slasher film because no. it's a lot of the same slasher. This is the same, you know, um, like idea in Ghostface, but it's not the same killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, it works perfectly because like the the movies live or die on Freddy or Jason or whatever. But when Ghostface is different every time around, sometimes twice over, then mm-hmm. it's it's really more about like how compelling the movie is and how compelling the characters are separately. Exactly. Yes. yes. So if we're gonna go through this, we want to do them in order of worst to best. Mm-hmm. And there are a few different ones. We're going to get the easiest one out of the way right now, which is from the Scream 6 prologue. Uh, poor body Greg, who does nothing and just <laughs> dies. He, yeah. He's the worst of the Scream killers because he doesn't even get to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the best he got was a death that we didn't even see. It was off screen. You know, he, apparently he was a, an accomplice. But, I mean, the, the real killer in the beginning of that prologue that did the heavy lifting, who we both really enjoy, yes. uh, we'll talk about later. He, he was obviously not a real part of the movie. The one thing I want to say, and I kind of appreciate this about Scream 6 and many of the Screams in general, is that there are... Movies built around the final girls, that whole slasher movie trope about the heroines being the only ones that get to survive and yada, yada, yada. And the interesting yeah. thing about Greg, the ghost face killer who dies before we even get to see him, is mm. that he gets fridged. <laughs> like, he literally get the, the trope that is usually done to females in superhero stories to motivate the men, which is yeah. still something Marvel is doing even today. Um... <laughs> Happens to Greg, a dude in a movie where the females are heroes. Now, it's not to motivate any of the female heroes, but it's still interesting to note he got fridged. Yeah, it would put him on ice, I guess you'd say, because, mm-hmm. you know, he, he wasn't even worth watching, I guess, you know? Right? No, no. It, it, and that, that's, I mean, that's the trope from Green Lantern when the girlfriend who gets fridged to motivate Kyle Rayner to become the best Green Lantern he can. Uh, right, she right. dies off screen and he only discovers her. And it's like, but what about my eggs I had in there? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. I was making a midnight snack and now I got to get this forearm out of the way. I had a like, half oh, a God. carton of milk in there and the villain puts a girlfriend in here instead, you know? Oh, just terrible. No terrible. consideration for food safety and rotation of product. <laughs> and now that we're done being awful, let's actually move on to the real terrible killers. And I want to yeah. start with the one that I feel like 
has the most buildup around them, but ends up accomplishing very little as far as her character is concerned, and that would be Nancy Loomis. I I feel like she's a, not a great killer because she comes out of nowhere. Like, as a character in the movie, she's interesting. She's this reporter who's kind of like an up-and-coming trying to chase after Gail and prove herself mm-hmm. on the local scene and whatever. And then she reveals herself to be Nancy Loomis, and it comes out of nowhere, and everything that was interesting about her character goes out the window. It's weird, too, because I feel like at the end with the reveal, Sydney recognized her almost instantly. And right. like, I don't understand how, like, you know, you go this whole period of movie where, like, she's there, you know who she is, and no one put two and two together. I mean, I, I'll have to watch it back again. I guess Sid never saw her. Right. But, I, I mean, the reveal itself was like, you know, oh, okay, I guess we're doing a whole Friday the 13th reboot kind of thing, I suppose. And then she, it announces nothing. Yeah, yeah, or... um. You know, the one thing she has going for her is she killed one of the the legacy characters, um, mm-hmm. you know, in in Randy, and that's Randy. about it. And, that's and about he, it. Yeah, that, that's why to me she makes the list at all. Um, it's her only confirmed kill in the movie, and you know she is, I guess, the mastermind. But I mean, Week mm. is putting it mm. nicely. It also says very terrible things about Gail. That she's mm. a reporter who, like, literally wrote the book on Billy and Stu, and she didn't even think to look up a picture of Billy's mom. <laughs> yeah. Girl. Gail needs a little, little bit better investigative reporting next time. Because, right. I mean, you know, Sid got it right away, and Gail didn't even see it coming. Sid didn't even take a second. She's like, oh, yeah, I know what that bitch is. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's fine. Uh, very good choice for, for worst. Uh, I agree. Because it's, it, it's just bad. Uh, following that is, and I'm sorry to Rory Culkin, who's part of the Culkin family, and that's actually a pretty good actor, but Charlie Walker from Movie 4, like, that movie's mm-hmm. all about Emma Roberts, and he's just kind of there. Yeah, and it, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit. Like, I mean, he, he, it's it's a weak, you know, um, motive. You know, he did it for love, I mm-hmm. guess. Like, don't don't you realize your girlfriend is a complete and total psychopath? Right. Like, she, she doubled your kill count in the movie for one. <laughs> and for two, like, you know, she she basically just, you know, used you and you just never saw it coming. Yeah. Um, no, he's um, an idiot. He, yeah, he's a total moron. Um, I mean, he had, a, he had a very brutal kill in killing the friend across, you know, the way while they were watching from the window. So I'll give him... I give him a little bit more credit than my second worst killer, who who we'll touch on next. But, I mean, okay. I feel you. He's very much down at the bottom. Um, you know, it just... It was no surprise to see him go. I guess the shock value was there that she did stab him. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he... he he wasn't making it out and he got a really poor death for a ghost face in my opinion as well. And, and it's not that shocking because the killer always turns on the other killer in these movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy mm-hmm. turned on Stu. Like yeah. it just, yeah, no, no. So your yeah. next bottom is uh, Ethan from scream six. Yes. Uh, yes. Just, I agree with this. I, I, I would put Charlie slightly above Ethan. They're mm-hmm. both quite bad just because Ethan he doesn't do much. He he, he keeps trying to play like, you know, he's almost like the red herring of the movie. You know, I'm, I was at macro class. I wasn't around. <laughs> I, I was at this taking, you know, study hall. Like, he just has an excuse for everything. It's contrived. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's, it's, like, it's suspicious without while trying to be non-suspicious. And, he, he's you know, the so whole time bland movie, you suspect him. Yeah. You yeah. know, they're trying to play it off like he wasn't like, you know. You know, he wasn't a suspect and everything he did, even when he tried to sound not suspicious, just made him look that much more, you know, damned. And it, it revealed at the end. I was like, oh, I saw this coming, I guess. So this is fine. Well, I mean, come on. He's on the train with the, one of the, um, the, 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 the movie twins. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And 
like he's there and then suddenly it's Ghostface and then suddenly he's back and it's like well there's no way any other Ghostface could have been on that train it's mm-hmm. too narratively convenient so he put on the mask and cloak no one noticed him he kills someone he takes the mask and cloak off and everyone's just like hey, it's New York yeah, and that's the thing. Like, he's that much of a forgettable ghost face that even if he did do that on the train, which I'm pretty sure that was his sister, then, you know, who, who gets a, a, a one up on him there. No one even cared. No and, one and cares. And yes, to your point, this is New York. But yep. at the same time, like, you know, the, at, at least the ghost face in the bodega made it, you know, his presence oh, felt. He made a splash. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that is very true. Um, I think we're both in agreement, though, that for number the next one on the list, uh, I was about to say number three, that's the movie he's in. Uh, but for the yeah. next one on the list, it's Roman Bridger, who's mm-hmm. the, I mean, to his credit, only Ghostface who did everything on his own, which is mm-hmm. kind of hard to explain considering how many people die around him. Mm-hmm. But, man, Roman Bridger is boring. <laughs> He's, he's, you know, the blandest solo killer of all time. And, you know, we'll, give, we'll give him his credit. I mean, I'm looking at the number here. He had nine kills solo in the movie and mm-hmm. the only one to do it. You know, there's always pairs except for Scream 3. But even, you know, at the reveal at the end when he's like, you know, I'm your long lost brother, Sydney. She's looking at him like, I don't care who you, you are. And OK, really? sure. Like, <laughs> it's it's like Arrested Development. Him? Yeah. Like, yeah. Him? Him? <laughs> yeah. So he, he I, I get it. You know, his reasons are fine. And I, and I see him ranked higher on other lists because he, you know, reveals that he was the reason to kind of set Stu and, and, and Billy on their path, you know, by telling a them what con, happened yeah. with the mother. You know, he, yeah. he kind of, you know, he sits back and he's like, I'm a director, Sydney. I direct. I'm like, no, you're an idiot. You're and an idiot. You're, you're an idiot. <laughs> he has a compelling story. And if the movies had remained a trilogy, it kind of works well to tie everything back together. But even mm-hmm. Kevin Williamson and Wes Craven couldn't leave it alone, and they and they made four with a plan for another trilogy. Like the mm-hmm. whole idea of him being the end cap because he's also the beginning of it. It it right. only works if it's a trilogy, and without that, he's just a boring ass character. Yeah, you know, yeah. we'll give him credit for being a solo killer, and you know, the only one to get a little outside the box, you know, with the with the arson kill and the explosion in the house and mm-hmm. whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, you know, even a ta- character we're going to touch on pretty soon, who had such a minor role in the movie as a killer, I, I think was just better. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, that and that's pretty much the bottom ranks. All the ones who barely make an impact or just don't work. We're into the middle chunk now. And whether you agree with the exact placement of this one or not, I kind of lean towards Amber Freeman-ness as the, as the bottom of the middle. Like, mm-hmm. she's from Five. She works well with Richie Kirsch uh, mm-hmm. in, in with his story. Another one for love, but also, like, actually kind of in the craze of it as well. She's, she's got the bloodlust. But mm-hmm. she's forgettable. She is. Um, and I, I can float her around this little middle section between the bottom and the top, um, just based off of sheer crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the female killers in this franchise are just really, you know, scary, mm-hmm. <laughs> just scarier than the guys. And, you know, she has uh, to this point, I would say, in the franchise, the most legendary kill of, of any um, legacy character, period, in Dewey. And, you know, yes. I, I feel like. That death in and of itself, you know, could rank her anywhere from, you know, seven or eight up to like, you know, four or five. I mean, Mm -hmm. depending on how you really want to go about it. Um, This whole intersection is interchangeable for me. I'll agree with you here. She's in the middle. Um, Where you want to put her is is really up for debate. But I mean, she definitely 
is forgettable at times, but a little crazy and a little scary. I think my problem with her is, like, when I go back and I think about the movie, which I've seen a couple times, I remember Richie. I barely mm. remember Amber. And I think that's mm-hmm. because she's more or less grafted onto his story. And it's right. not that she exists in her own way with all the characters. Mm-hmm. I will say, like, um, you know, if you I've like I've said last time, we've been I've been watching these back again because we've been talking a lot about it, and they're just they're just good quality movies. Yes, they are. There, there's a lot of little scenes in there with the interaction between Amber and Richie, like that you before the reveal, where you see her giving him these looks that like you could just see like, oh, I can connect the dots now. You know, in the hospital, giving him a look like you're an asshole making me do this all on my own, and you know, and another scene like you're an asshole, pick up the pace here. Like she just she's crazy enough to like have a head on her shoulders but mm-hmm. still you know overall richie was the brains and and it kind of shows yes quinn bailey the one of the three bailey killers from number six mm-hmm. i would like she's again she's middle of the pack uh i wouldn't put her higher she's got she's definitely performs better than her uh her brother like uh, yeah, <laughs> he, he the brother's boring. The the girl the sister's at least kind of crazy, and she gets to act it, especially once her, the reveal happens, and you get to mm-hmm. see the crazy. But it's interesting for her because she actually kind of forms with the friend unit, and you actually kind of like her before her right. she's fake killed. Um, yes. So then when she's fake killed, she's freed up to go around and do a bunch of ghost face killing. And I mentioned this like to you off microphone. Uh, mm-hmm. When you pay attention to the screams. Uh, the various killers, at least in five and six, you can sometimes see the height difference between them. And in this yes. particular instance, there's the the two ghost faces that attack Courtney Cox's Gail Weathers. And mm-hmm. she, like, one of the two is taller than the other, so you can kind of basically guess, knowing where the dad is, that the two killers in the apartment are the brother and the sister because of the height difference. And I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, you can actually track them, at least in that movie, and then you can kind of pick up where she is and who she's killing and how she's getting mm-hmm. around with it and so forth. I like her better than her brother. Neither of them are great. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, she, for me, is someone I feel like we can put at the bottom of this middle tier. I, I would put Amber above her. Uh, I mean, it, like good points of like you know how she just integrated very well with the friend group. You know, Tara mm-hmm. and Sam both seem to trust her very much, um, which you know really. Shows that you know they definitely didn't see her coming, um, but at the same time, she. I, I keep coming back to that movie with her and her brother stabbing the one twin repeatedly oh, and just yeah. not getting the job done. And and maybe that's something more to the writing and the plot armor of these this new core four here. Where like yeah, we're gonna eviscerate you mm-hmm. twenty seven times, and yet you're still gonna get out of here on a stretcher and be alive. It's just like, that, or maybe they're just really weak stabbing. I'm not sure. Limp wristing it, like no, it's it's yeah. it's this thing of like you know. He had plot armor, and it's just not fair because yeah. that dude has been stabbed how many times in two movies? Two hundred and thirty or something? It's ridiculous. It's like some he, crazy yeah, number. He just cannot go without, like, down the street to a bodega without getting stabbed. Okay, <laughs> yeah. this guy, and then he survives, and he's like, "No, no, I got a chili dog. It's fine. I'll walk this off. No big deal." Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. But like, I mean, I guess, I guess he's got to get the girl at the end with Tara. But I mean, oh, it's sure. unnecessary. Let let the bitch yeah. move on. She doesn't need you. <laughs> I mean, at, at the very least, you can stand in front and take all the stabs for her. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he certainly got a pretty good job of doing that. <laughs> uh, and then at this point, we're kind of into a situation for me where we're starting to move into the top. There's only a couple middle-tier killers. 
Um, mm-hmm. Like, I would maybe you could put him higher. Maybe you put him in the middle. I kind of feel like just because all three killers in this movie were eh, in comparison to mm-hmm. some of the really good ones, maybe the top mm-hmm. of this middle section would be Detective Wayne Bailey, uh, played by mm-hmm. Dermot Mulroney. Yeah, he mm-hmm. he was the most brutal of the killers mm-hmm. in, the, in the third in the, the bodega uh, the, killing. The, six, the bodega. I mean, just just sheer viciousness and the way yes. he he kills uh, a ghost face. We're going to talk about soon mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie as Ooh, well. I like, so much like better. He, yeah, I like him better too. And he made a lot of good points with that. Like, <laughs> it, we'll give him the credit of being you know a, a ghost face that is really just out there for blood mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. know the motivated the. the, the, the the parent rehash uh, from the you know Nancy yeah. Loomis redo here, like it's I I get it, yeah. but I don't know. It's that thing we discussed before, where especially with five and six, uh, and it's five's need to just basically redo the first movie, which is interesting in its own way because it mm-hmm. does a better job of it than I think four did in trying to redo the first movie. We need to right. maybe not keep redoing the first movie, but that's besides the <laughs> point. Um. So number uh, number five really kind of was a redo of number one without being a rehash. It had its own thing to say. But by focusing mm-hmm. on Sam, who's the daughter of Billy, and kind of reinventing the kills around them, even doing the same house again from the first movie where all the killing really happens near the end with the party. Like, that was mm-hmm. interesting. And then by moving things to college and in a different town and away from where the Woodsboro killings happened again, they were mirroring number two. So there's there's mirroring going on, and that comes down to Nancy Loomis being the killer of the, the second movie, and then the dad of the mm-hmm. first killer, or Jack Quaid's killer from the fifth movie, uh, then mm-hmm. going for his own revenge. So yeah, parallels. And like yeah. in that regard, and he's a better parallel, and it doesn't feel as much of a cheat here as it did with like Nancy Loomis, because... Like, the Loomis family was so integral to Sydney's story that it's really weird no one recognizes her, as you point out. Like, it doesn't matter here for the Baileys as much. But Yeah. 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 So I I give credit for that. And yeah, the bodega killing, that whole sequence that has to be him, that was brutal. Mm. Uh, it had to be. I, I could. I don't see you know Quinn being able to pull that off with the shotgun. Short. And cer- certainly not Ethan. <laughs> not even close. If the if um, the heights of the killer does matter, which I say it does because of the Courtney mm-hmm. Cox sequence, then right. it couldn't have been her. And Ethan is just boring. It's it yeah. can't be him. He's a boring person. Yes. Who can't? We'll, we'll give him kill. the credit he deserves. Here. Yes. And we'll give the, <laughs> he certainly can't. He certainly can't. Uh, <laughs> you know. So Detective Bailey, you know, he he's in the middle tier. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely gets a, a plus one for brutality, but um, you know, the the motive is uh, fine. It's a redo, but I mean, I, I guess I buy it a little more than than Nancy Loomis. You are correct. From there, and I, this is the, I I kind of feel like placement, especially now, is going to be key. And mm-hmm. I don't want to discount him because I feel like the performance was fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's hard to follow up Billy and Stu, but as much as I love the actor, I kind of feel like Mickey Alateri, played by Timothy Oliphant from Justified, um, mm-hmm. he's probably down near the bottom of this upper tier. His performance is great. His motivation works. He just wants to finish a movie and make it all about killing. That's cool. No, not a problem. I get it. That's fine. It actually mm-hmm. mirrors a, a motivation for another killer we're going to touch on soon. Mm-hmm. But it- Scream 2 is not that great. It's it's so funny because like he he and, I, and again I've watched all these again recently he's mm-hmm. not seen for about forty five yeah. minutes yeah in the movie and he just very, disappears 
Yeah, just yeah. after the the horrible whatever you want to call like you know uh, cafeteria scene with the acapella. Going oh my on, god, like, I hate that so much. It, I, it was so bad. It's it's cringe. Yes, and, it is. and it is. after that, you don't see him again. He's almost forgotten. Mm-hmm. So uh, dare I say, you know, a ghost face with the potential that was truly underused. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was vicious. He was he he had the the motive that worked for him. He, he was he was going to make it happen. You know, betrayed by Nancy Loomis, who just, you know, didn't give a shit at all, no, obviously. No. But, but I mean, I, I I think if we saw more of him, he, he could be higher. But mm-hmm. I, I agree, you know, mm-hmm. because of the lack of usage, just, you know, top tier, sure, but at the bottom. At the bottom. At the bottom. And then I hate to put him down this far, but let's 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 say it what what really happens. Scream six wastes the actual good killer in the first yep. fifteen minutes. Has a fantastic introduction. Jason Carvey, played by Tony Revolori, who is, of course, mm-hmm. in all our hearts, Flash Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. <laughs> it's always going to be Flash Thompson. He has, always he's Flash. got a motivation that basically mirrors Mickey Alateri. Again, that parallel that we're talking about there. He mm-hmm. wants to make a good movie, uh, a good horror movie, and he kills the teacher of their slasher movie class, to, to prove his point. Mm-hmm. And then, the most important bit, he takes off his mask and reveals himself to you. And there's yes. this whole thing where you could have been like i can see this movie happening where he's like wandering around and hanging out with the people and you can start tracking who he is and how he's killing and there's potential there that we just don't get and i loved the potential i loved his performance that's why he goes in the top tier but he dies mm-hmm. like a bitch 15 minutes in <laughs> <laughs> he does but i will give him credit his his kill is truly vicious mm. and oh god yes very very cerebral too, luring mm-hmm. her into the alley and you know on the phone with her for what what felt like five minutes yeah. at the beginning of the movie just talking to her just you know luring her away and away and you as the watcher and viewer are knowing what she's walking into mm-hmm. and she's just going for it and he's very charismatic in getting her to go down a very dark alley in the middle of new york city with nobody else around yeah. like he he had tremendous potential for what he could have been and 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 sad we got to see him go so soon but you know credit is due to somebody who had minimal screen time but maximum impact am i right made a massive impression and that's the important mm-hmm. thing like he, he could have been the top of this he could have like actually surpassed uh, Stu and billy just with what the movie could have done with him and the angle it could have taken for him as a ghost face whether or not dead body Greg came along with him for the ride. Um, but <laughs> he could have been top tier, dead body Greg could have been bottom tier. Uh, but mm-hmm. the movie wastes it. And I, that's a flaw with number six I don't want to rehash, but we got to give mm-hmm. him credit where it's due. We do. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a great point. Like, you know, what could it have been like in a movie where you know who the killer is mm-hmm. 15 minutes in, and then you got to go through the whole movie, like knowing what you know and watching the interaction between him and the other characters? Like, it could have been quite interesting. And, you know, I mean, I don't want to say we were robbed of it, you know, like the, it was fine. It was written, but, but I feel slightly cheated. I'll say yeah. that. Yeah. That, uh, I, I watched the first 15 minutes and then I took a break because I had to get a snack while I was watching it the first time. And, like, mm. I was just pumped. That was such <laughs> an interesting way to start the movie, and then it wasted it. But, like, yeah. like it was, it was good. Okay, let's, let's stop rehashing that. I, I feel like we've, we've beaten that enough. Uh, number, <laughs> I guess, of the top four, number four then, and I think that's, yeah, that's everyone. Um, number four would be Richie Kirsch. 
uh, Jack yeah. Quaid's character. He's interesting enough. He he works well. He has that little bit of a cheat twist at the end where he's like, I wasn't really dating you. I'm dating this other girl, and I'm just here for you. Ha, ha, ha. Um, mm. But he's he's it's a great performance from Jack Quaid, a actor who doesn't normally get to take villain turns. And I think that's what mm. elevates him to the top four. Yeah. And he, you know, very cerebral, you know, the brains of, mm-hmm. of the of the movie, um, just such little things in there that, you know, upon rewatching again that like y- you might have missed the first time, like, you know, in the hospital when Sam wakes up next to Tara and he's there. Oh, I'm just watching the stab movies. I've never seen these before. Or when he takes the inhaler to get them to go to the house and he, he knows where they have to go, just really just plotting his way the whole time, getting him to do exactly what he wants wanted out of his pocket corral yeah completely controlled and and you know say what you want about amber having more kills in the movie or or being you know the more crazy one you got to give richie credit for being you know a a mind that could rival some of these top four that was quite interesting and he he got a really brutal death too we'll we'll give it to sam for Mm -hmm. slashing him up real good Mm -hmm. so then we're in the top three and i know you and i have discussed this before about who goes Mm -hmm. where and they could slide around each other number one we both agree on but yeah absolutely whether you think Stu mocker or jill roberts should be Mm -hmm. the uh number three or number two i think it's open for debate i know you put jill higher i put uh bill uh Stu higher because mm-hmm. I like his performance from Matthew Lillard. But in either case, both of them play fucked up crazy really well. Yeah, you know, Matthew Lillard, the original crazy, you know, mm-hmm. tag team partner. And then, you know, Jill in Scream 4 being the more crazy, you know, controlled leader mm-hmm. of the group. You know, Bill, Billy had his moments of insanity. And you saw that at the end when he was slashing up his best friend to make a point. Um, you know, but Stu, you know, he was the, the ultimate wingman. You he know, was, he he would get follow along with what Billy, <laughs> exactly. You know, he 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 even let his friend kill his girlfriend to make a point. Yeah, and he just he had no problem with it whatsoever. It was just you know, true sociopath. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I'm gonna tell the cops. That's why I did it. You know, I'm too sensitive. I love his motivation. Oh, okay, I love his <laughs> so motivation. Good. It's so dumb, but so it so works for teenagers, and that's I yeah, guess that's what I like. It? But but yeah, but in fairness, Jill Roberts had a plan, and she almost got away with it. Yeah, the the one ghost face, you know, out of all the movies who got the closest mm-hmm. to victory she was had that brass ring. <laughs> he was so close, and 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 we can we can flip flop Stu and Jill, you know, all day long, mm-hmm. and 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 discuss who is who. The only reason I put Jill higher is, is she's the leader, and she almost got away with it. Mm-hmm. But you can definitely not take away, you know, the charisma that Stu had, God. the crazy, the misdirect. You know, you want to suspect him right away in the movie when they're sitting at the fountain talking, mm-hmm. but he's he tries creepy. to throw. Yeah, yeah. And he, but he just thro- he throws you know this slight little misdirect like I was with Tatum last night and she's like that's right he was with me all night and like before after they never answer but they just kind of let it go. Well, and that's the thing is up until that uh, scream the original scream we really hadn't seen multiple killers. I think there might be one or two of the movies in the genre right. that you could probably point out, but they're not popular. They don't they don't yeah. rise to it the way Scream did or some of the major franchises. So when you go in to Scream the first time you're watching it, you think, okay, we're looking for the killer, not the killers. And yeah. so yeah. for it to, like, with Stu's misdirect and an alibi, you're like, oh, okay, well, it can't be him. And then Billy's mm-hmm. in the police station all night. Oh, well, it can't be him. And that's yeah. the interesting thing is that Billy's idea, and this is why he's number one, to have... Mm-hmm two of them work together to always distract from who's the guy doing it. And then to just mm-hmm. like 
plot all of this around a motive of revenge that has been hinted at the whole movie, so it's not even a cheat. Billy has the backstory and the expertise. Yeah, and, and you know, Billy... He, he, you know, the two greatest lines to me in his monologue is like, you know, it, it, it's really scary when there's no motivation for the killer. You know, that did, did, you know, they found out what Hannibal Lecter, like the E people, you know, do they really care about this? Nobody cared. And he's like, well, how about this? Your mother's a whore. Like, <laughs> oh, OK. So there was some motivation and maybe the broken child has a point. <laughs> I mean, not to victim blame, but at least mm. from his perspective, there was motivation to it. Yeah, 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 and which is more Skeet Ulrich, you know, yeah, and Skeet Ulrich too. Like we, we touched on Stu, we touched on Jill, mm-hmm. two, three, three, two, whatever order you want, you know, both great. Uh, let, let's talk about Billy a bit because I mean, is there a perfect, a more perfect incarnation of what Ghostface is supposed to be than the original? Because I don't think so. Skeet Ulrich nails it. He's an actor that you would expected to like keep rising because he did such a good performance and he did a lot of good like indie comedies and dramas and seemed like he was like on his way towards like award season and gonna be a big actor and then just Mm kind of didn't yeah he just kind of did what he wanted to do you know i I don't know if he if it was his plan to not do that i know he was on a couple tv shows Mm -hmm. for several seasons and whatnot you know he made his money and he he's still around but he never really rose to that level that you thought maybe this guy could and maybe that was by design maybe that's just you know choices that he made outside of uh you know hollywood i'm not sure but you know give credit where credit is due he played a masterful performance as the original mastermind Ghostface. And, and you know he, he just he's so good there's no other way to put it now there's no better way to put it so that that is of course the thing of now that we've gone through the killers we have to wonder how can they even create a killer that would be as good as any of the ones we have? They've already wasted the the fake out six prologue that we could have had great. And it's hard yeah, to do anything that's as good as Billy. Um, I seem to recall at one point, maybe when we were discussing this off microphone, uh, the thought that like Sam's mom could come back or something was a possibility. Yeah. I thought that that would be, you know, a nice little interesting touch. And in she comes back and maybe she's the killer mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, to kind of finish Billy's work because she's still in love with them. But then you brought a really good point of like, you know, maybe she's not the killer, but maybe she's trying to egg Sam on to kind of take up that mantle. and Mother daughter you know, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. maybe Sam has a bit of a, a split personality in, in, in the sixth movie and she does end up being the killer. I just think that'd be very interesting to bring back this woman who, who maybe we've seen in a picture or two in the fifth movie when, when Tara's walked around the house and mm-hmm. i'm sure if you zoom in or enhance or whatnot you could see it uh, but we don't know who she is and she's referenced you know in both movies so yes. i think it would almost be a mistake to not bring this character in for the sixth movie in some kind of role mm-hmm. uh, so we'll see i think we'll it could be very interesting that's a good twist and it, it nicely mirrors the uh the setup of the previous films where you know it is actually tied back into something number three made it all about the previous two movies Number seven mm-hmm. probably should do the same for its previous two movies before we get some sort of a reset movie and then start over again. And I got high hopes for seven. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're on a, a bit of a, a kick here with, you know, tr- uh, sequel trilogies where the second movie is very, you know, kind of high hopes, mm-hmm. but not as good. And, and I think Scream 6 was good and it had its moments. It was, was it as good as five. It wasn't mm-hmm. as good as five to me, I think. But it, it wasn't as bad as some of these, you know, second string of sequels have been it also wasn't um, as bad as two so 
Yeah, yeah, it definitely wasn't. And, and maybe that's something to be said for, you know, it's it's 20 years later and the brutality is much more acceptable in movies. I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, but I think the, the, the dominance of the kills now does say something for how good the movie can be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. But I yeah. think they could do some really interesting things. And I'm very hopeful and excited that we can get something that you and I haven't even both thought of. And maybe we're completely surprised. I'm looking forward to it. And with yeah. that, I think we're done talking about the killers for right now, at least until we have more to debate. This has been <laughs> Not So Live from Asteroid G. Not lurking in your house, waiting for you to run up the stairs. You should be running out the front door. I'm Mike Finkelstein. <laughs> with me, of course, was... Hey, your buddy, Mike. I'm just going to go to the video store and get a scary movie. I'll be back <laughs> a little bit. I'll be right back. <laughs> we will see you next time.